broadcasting live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Live on the road. Here's your boy, Q. Here we are. Kicking out the final hour of the show here, live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Treasure Island is the location. Come on by, hang out with us. We're having a fantastic time. We started at 2. We're closing up at 6. Four hours long, four hours strong. And I couldn't have a show like this without having my tag team partner, Joe Arrigo, from Franchise Sports Media on the show. You can find him on Twitter at Joe Arrigo FSM. And, Joe, we definitely appreciate your time this afternoon, my man. Thank you for it. And uh, I got to get in some UNLV conversation with you. Uh, they, they go to Reno. And it just didn't turn out very well. And it didn't look like a game that they were really in it. You know what I mean? Like ever really in it. And that's a rivalry game. So I wanted to start right there. What were your thoughts when you saw what happened in that rivalry game, Reno and UNLV, and the way that the Rebels just just went out there and didn't really perform? You know, it was disappointing, to be honest. Uh, It was frustrating because, you know, I know how much the players care and the coaches care about this rivalry how much was put into it going into the week. And then um, after I let the emotion get out of it, I started thinking about some things. And some of the things I thought about in particular was when, when Arroyo took this job, he knew that he had the 106th, 81st, 117th, 99th, and 102nd ranked roster in the nation since 2015. And that goes with recruiting. Right. And he knew this was going to be, you know, a, a, a task for a job. And up until the Reno game and Iowa State excluded, they were in every game. Right. So I think it was disappointing. And that game, it just showed Reno's depth and the power of having a quarterback, a really, really good quarterback, an NFL-style quarterback on your roster ready to go and and slinging the ball. And that's what UNR had with with Carson Strong. So um, Cam Friel's young. You know, he'll get to start again tomorrow. Um, he's young and, and he's, you know, he shows flashes and he just got to find the consistency. And, but there was, there were some things that on offense, I mean, you've seen the emergence of Stevie Jenkins yet again against, against UNR. And I don't know if Stevie's going to be playing tomorrow. He's dealing with an injury. Um, you've seen some of the younger guys like Brennan Scott, a guy you may be familiar with that was from down in Texas and, yep. and Jonathan Baldwin step up. And, and Phil Hill yet again. I mean, three three Texas boys, you know, making plays. Um, and you have to be happy about that if you're a UNLV fan. You, there's, there are some pieces that are there, but they're just not enough right now. Right. No, you're right about that. And I'm glad you, you started off talking about the rivalry and the fact that they know how important that is because I've been hearing, and I wanted to ask you off top, I've been hearing that the rivalry is not as important to Arroyo. And so from the sounds of it, that's that's false. Absolutely. Just because he's not saying things publicly, you know, at his press conference, and that doesn't mean that that it's not important to him. I know for a fact that um, after the game, he felt as if maybe the staff put a little too much on the rivalry going into the game. Okay. And they may need to peel it back a little. So, I mean, he's very – the thing about Coach Rowe that's different than, let's say, Coach Sanchez, Coach Sanchez would be very transparent with his feelings and how he – where he stood with things. Coach Royal plays things a lot, a little bit more close to the vest, really a lot more close to the vest than most coaches. And not, not everything is for public consumption. Right. Some of that, you know, a lot of that stuff has to stay in the locker room and in the coaches and, you know, in the, the coaches' meetings and the meetings with the players because it's not for the general public because they may not understand the dynamics of a locker room. Some people just don't. They've never been in one 
or they weren't in one long enough to understand how, how it really works. And I think he does a very good job. That's something he's very good at is keeping things close to the vest. And you not really, you don't really know exactly what he's thinking or what's going on um, until things actually transpire. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it really does. And that's exactly why I wanted to ask you the question because there is some such thing as putting too much on the rivalry and not focusing on just going out and playing a football game. And so you can kind of be wound up a little bit too tight just because it is a rivalry game. So it's a lot of importance because it should be a very important game. But you've got to know the, the middle ground, Joe. You've got to know, you know how much to push and how much not to push. Absolutely. And if you look on the other side, Coach Norvell, Coached that game like it's his last game playing for the Canyon. Right. I mean, he he went balls to the wall, and he was we're going at it. And this is how we're doing it. And you you look at it. I mean, and there's always things that happen up in Reno. I mean, two years ago there was the fight, and right. you know, happening the one end zone, and and from the, the fans with his lack of security, and and then the same end zone, a player headbutts a UNLV player with his with his helmet off, and there's the flag. Is thrown against the UNLV player. I remember. Who yeah. got his head busted. Yep, I saw that. Like, like, like. UNR, this is a different school. That that game means the world to them. They could probably go one in twelve or one in eleven, and as long as they keep the cannon, they're okay with it. Where I think I think Arroyo has a bigger picture. They want to win the cannon. They want to win the pineapple, and and that's great. But if they lose those games, and let's say they finish ten and two. And they go. That's not the end of the world. If they lose those two games. If there's a different perspective. They want to win those games, but it's not the end all to be all. No, that makes sense, and that's a good thing. I mean, it really is. Again, because you don't want to put everything into that and then not have anything for the rest of the season. So uh, as long as there's a plan in place, and that's exactly why I went to you because I know that you got the finger of the pulse of the UNLV program. We're talking right now with Joe Rigo from Franchise Sports Media here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now. Uh, you mentioned tomorrow's game. They have New Mexico. And, and, Joe, there's been about three or four games this year that I thought, okay, I see UNLV winning this one. This is another one of those. I feel like they can win this game. New Mexico hasn't scored that much as of late. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this game, and how is the team kind of pumped up and, and fired up for this game? You know, I, the, same, the same way you put it, this is the game that I have circled as this should. This, this is a game that's very winnable. Um, Chuck, Williams is 45 yards away from setting the all-time rushing mark for the school. That's a big deal yeah. to, to the staff to get him that. It's a big deal, I think, to Chuck more than what he's making it out to be. Um, but he did say it means a lot a couple weeks ago. Um, and he did do so with the guy that recruited him, the UNLV, Jamie Christian, who's now the running back coach in New Mexico, to do that in front of Jamie. I think that's very special. Um, you're right, the, the New Mexico offense is struggling a bit. But UNLV's got some injuries on defense. Austin Ajuke, you know, he's, he may be out with the game with the wrist injury. Um, and then his backup has a sprained ankle. So there could be, you know, that middle linebacker spot, there could be some, you know, some, a transition there for this game. It could be, you know, it could be Vic Viramontes or, or somebody else fighting in that spot for them if they're, not, if they're unable to go. You know, you want to, you know is Brendan Scott going to be able to play with, with, with the cut on his head? I think he, he will. And I think the next question is, like, are the, is Coach Arroyo going to go to the younger guys? Because it's the last four games of the year. There's the redshirt rule. If you can play in four games, so some of these young guys, you may see some of these younger guys, these freshmen, get on the field. I mean, it's weird. TQ and I were talking about it this morning over breakfast. You know, he, he asked me how many of the, of the Arroyo recruits are, you know, it's a guess. how many are on the field. And we probably said about 20, 15 to 20%. 
maybe the last four games we start seeing 50 to 70%, right. getting some young guys some action to get ready for next year. I mean, you could see a guy like Nick Demetrius who, who dressed last week. Nick could probably get some playing time this week. Um, Jonathan Baldwin has came in and done a really good job opposite of Phil Hill at safety. Cam Oliver, obviously, you know, you have a, a receiver out here. Um, if Stevie Jenkins is unable to go, you know, you have Aaron Holloway from Legacy High School here in town that also is a kick and punt returner. And he set the, the record for most yards and touchdowns in the season his junior year in 2019. He's a guy that Aaron, Aaron's explosive, and he's a guy that could come in and make plays. He may get some time this week. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens in terms of, um, of who, who gets in and plays. And, again, it's also going to be interesting to see who, uh, who, what, what guys step up because it's time. I mean, Tate Martell. He's still a quarterback, but he's moved to receiver. He's in receiving meeting rooms now. Right. He could get some time at, at the receiver position now because he just wants to get on the field and play. So there, there's a bunch of, of, of questions, but the reality is UNLV is a running team, first and foremost. It starts with Charles Williams, and the guys up front have to do a good job because New Mexico, I think, is the 40th team against the run in the country. So they're going to have their, their, hand, their work cut out for them up front, but I think they're going to be up to the task this week. I'll tell you, Joe, I can't wait till Chuck Wagon breaks that, uh, that school record. I really can't. I mean, uh, you want to talk about a good dude, and I haven't obviously been around the program very long like you have, but I, I know I can tell a good dude when I see one. You know what I mean? Like, it's not hard to identify a really good dude, and that dude on and off the field is A1. So I cannot wait until he's able to get that, that school record. As far as you, you mentioned – some of the Arroyo recruits, and he's been bringing in, and we, we had you on a couple weeks ago when, when he uh, got the verbal commit from a couple big-time uh, players. How difficult in, in this commitment game, in this uh, you know, recruiting game, as we know it's a very difficult game, how difficult is it for him to keep those verbal commits locked in when they're not seeing the success from a distance? You know, it, that's an interesting question because everybody I've talked to it seems to be locked in. Okay. He's done a very good job. He and his staff have done a very good job of bringing, bringing these recruits in, getting them locked in and committed, and he doesn't really lose too many of them. Everybody that commits, they're, they're pretty, they pretty much sign, and they stay locked in. Right. Um, like Bobo Masters, like they, yeah. that's who you're one of the guys referring to from a couple weeks ago. Yep. He's a guy that, you know, he's all in, and he's, he's talking to kids in Texas about, hey, the move is UNLV. There's guys down that, that have – um, that have strong interest in UNLV in Southern California that are telling other recruits, like, hey, UNLV is the move. You, know, you really want to go play for Coach Royal and what they, got, what they got going on up there. Like, you know, when we get up there, we, we're going to change the face of the game. They kind of see it, and, and, and we have to give the kids, the recruits, some credit, Q, because, you know, as well as, you know, when you and I were going to high school and, and we're in the same age group, like, we knew a lot about recruiting. But these kids now, they really get into, okay, this is how I can promote myself. This is with NIL. This is what I could get with in my NIL deals. Where can I get the best deal possible for my NIL? What about? And then they ask. They ask a lot of the right questions when they're being recruited. So they're very, they're more savvy than what when we were when we were young. And we got kids that are being recruited, and, and we've been through this game from the other side. And the kids, and I can speak for for my son Pina. He asked the right questions because he pays attention. And that's what these guys do with the world. They're paying attention to what they're doing. And you may not see it on the field with wins and losses. And this is the thing that is it, it's very frustrating because you don't see it with the wins and losses, but you see it with the culture of the program. And people get tired of hearing about it. But the culture of the program 
is really changing and shifting and going in a direction where when they start winning, the culture is going to take over and it's going to just basically be a machine. And he's done, and Coach Royal and his staff have done a very good job of that. And these recruits love it. I mean, the uniforms tomorrow are real spicy, all white with black helmets. I mean, like, they, they, the uniforms look really, really good. So, I mean, it's the kids love that. They love the fact that they're playing in a $2 billion stadium. And the Fertitta Complex is, is amazing. So, he's selling them on that. And, they, and let's say, off the rip, the opportunity to play early. If you can come in and play and you're a guy, you can't get that at another school, you know, that may be recruiting you right. that has the that has the same animities as UNLV. Right. No, you're right about that. And, and, again, I do think that, you know, I know that there's a plan in place. And me and you have talked plenty of times off the air and, and you know, just off the record about there's a plan in place. And I know that you have a good pulse of what's going on with UNLV. And so nothing more do I want to see than them be very successful. And, and, and I mean, man, you imagine a, a city with a couple professional teams and a UNLV team flying high again like it was back in the day, basketball and football. Jeez, come on. It would be, an, I mean, just – fantastic uh, place to be and, and it's fantastic anyway uh, before I let you go Joe and this is great as always uh, what are your thoughts on this week's uh, Raider game they're going up against the Giants you know that they've had a crazy crazy emotional week uh, off the field and now they got to get back on the field so what are your expectations what do you think you'll see on Sunday man honestly like first I want to extend my thoughts prayers and condolences to the Tinder family yes um, yes TQ and I TQ and I just released a podcast on franchise sports media where we talk about this incident that happened earlier in the week, the unfortunate injury of rugs, and we, we discussed not only the lasting effects for, for the, the family, but for, for, the, for rugs and everybody else involved, including the Raiders. So if you guys have about 45 minutes after you're done listening to Q, um, please feel free to check it out. Yes. You know, I, I, at, at breakfast today, this, I said this to him, I, I like the Raiders. I know it's going across the country. I know it's been an emotional week. But they can lock in, and they, they've been they, – shown so far that they're a resilient bunch. I mean, from, you know, this is three off-the-field events that they've had no control over, and each time they've battled through it. Right. And each time they've, they've persevered. And you got to credit the team. And you know what? And people can say what they want. Credit Derek Carr. Yep. This guy has, you know, he's always been a leader, but now his voice is heard. He is the voice for the Raiders. He is the face for the Raiders. And he's done a fantastic job leading this team on the field and off the field. And you couldn't think – there's not too many players in the NFL that can lead a team like Derek Carr has through these adverse situations. And he's an MVP caliber quarterback right now. Let's, let's not forget that. And I think he's going to get paid with a capital P at the end of the year. And I mean, some people may not like that. I'm, I'm on the opposite end of that. I think he's more than earned it and deserved it. Agreed. With that being said, with all the Giants injuries – and, and the Raiders are fairly healthy for, for yeah. the most part. I for mean, the first time. I, yeah, I like the Raiders big in this game. And, and, and I, I think it's going to show them, you know, show, show really the nation and, and the Big Apple exactly what John Gruden and Mike Mayock were building and all that Mike Mayock is, is leading. And it's going to show. And, and, Q, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I tweeted this out the other day. You know, if Mike Mayock stays as the general manager at the end of the year, because we don't know what's going to happen there. Right. When the Raiders are, let's say they make the playoffs, I think Rich Versace remains as a head coach. 
I, I can see that. I can absolutely see that, especially if uh, if Mike Mayock stays on because he's endorsed them multiple times. And I'll tell you this, and I've said this uh, immediately because people started asking me about the head coaching job. I said, look, the Raiders need to do their due diligence. They need to make sure they go and search and, and uh, under you know go under every single stone, uh, make sure they uh, you know check everybody who's out there and available because you want to do this for the long term. You don't want to just do a quick fix and then have to do it again. But, man, Rich Passaccia is making a, a believer out of me. He's just hitting the right buttons. He's saying the right things. He, he really, Joe, seems like the real deal. I, absolutely. Everything he said from the minute he's gotten the job to, through with everything with Coach Gruden to now with, with this situation, this, the tragedy that happened earlier in the week, you know, he says the right thing and he's authentic. He's yeah. very authentic and yep. real. And, yep. that's, and, and that's something I think – I don't want to say Coach Gruden wasn't that – but there's a sense of, like, guys can, like, let their guard down and be, be content and be like, okay, I can be myself around coach. Right. And I think that, that goes a long way to winning ballgames. If you have a coach that you can do that with, you have a coach that you believe in, that you believe everything that he's saying is real and it's not just some fluff and just to, just to say things to say things, I think it bodes well, and I think it bodes well for the Raiders. And that's why and then the reason I think under his leadership, I think that's the reason why they're going to win this game on Sunday. And I guess I like them big. You know, not having Saquon Barkley, the Giants are a mess. You know, I think their coach is going to end up being fired by the end of the year anyway. I could definitely see the Raiders putting a, a 40 burger on them. Woo. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see Derek really, really, really airing it out. I mean, look, under Gruden, you know as well as I do, and all the Raider Nation knows, they were a ground-and-pound team. Well, it's not like that now. And you're getting Carl rolling out, getting him out the pocket, making plays like when he was successful earlier in his career and at Fresno State. You're playing to your quarterback strengths, and that's what you need to do to win games in the NFL. The Raiders are doing that, and the defense is playing really good. Credit John Abram for the way he's played this year, and, and Maury with what he's done on the back end that's really allow Abram to do that. The Perryman, the big guys up front, Yannick Ngakwe, I mean, he's been a godsend on and off the field as well. I really like what the Raiders are doing now. That's, one, again, the reason why I like them big on Sunday. Nice. I like it. Good stuff. Good breakdown right there, man. We ought to give you a show. <laughs> we got to give hey, you a show, you, Joe. You know, the, you know the number, brother. <laughs> I know the number. I know a guy. I know a guy that can, might make that happen. So, <laughs> you know, good good stuff, man. Hey, and uh, let everyone know again, man, Franchise Sports Media, I know that's the that's the outlet, but let them know about what you have coming out. I know you got the podcast, you and TQ, but let them know about everything you guys are doing over there because you guys are doing a fantastic job. Man, I appreciate that. Like, we, obviously, the, the, the franchise show with me and TQ, that comes out once a week. Uh, we are a day late, uh, so but it came out today. Um, we also are going to be at three different, four different high school football games tonight. Our high school football wow. coverage do the FSM prep rally. Nice. Um, and our, we do a top ten during the season. We cut it off in the playoffs. And uh, tonight we're going to start off at Gorman and Foothill for the first, maybe first quarter and a half. They're shooting down to Liberty where, where Arborview takes on Liberty. Okay. We've got somebody at Coronado for their game, and we got somebody at Shadow Ridge for the game out there. So we got all 5A and 4A going on. Uh, Chris Gallick dropping his uh, two minutes with Gallick. It's his weekly DGK column, and this week he actually was talking, he talks about the Eichel trade, um, and then I got an article coming out, it may drop tomorrow, about Henry Ruggs, and it's, a, it's, a real, it's an article that it's about empathy, and not yeah. just empathy for, for one person, it's not just saying because I'm empathetic, I'm, I'm poo-pooing what happened, or, or it's just showing that, hey, there's a lot of people who's hurt by this situation, and they all need our thoughts and prayers, so we have that stuff coming out. Then our radar coverage and our boxing coverage with Kalani Lua, who's, who's really good at combat sports. So we got a bunch of stuff going on. Go check out the IG page for all kinds of cool uh, videos and photos. And if you're a high school football player or family, 
those photos we have in a photo gallery on the franchise page, so you can download them with our watermark, or you can get them yourself for like five bucks. And either high res photos and Trisha Lacoste, our creative director, and all the photographers, Q Hatcher and um, and Mike V, like they do a great job shooting. So hats off to them as well. Yes, nice, nice. Well, you know me, man. If it's high school football you're talking, I'm all down for it. So always like to support the high school football players, all the high school athletes in the in the area as well. But, uh, man, high school football has a special place in my heart uh, coming from Texas. You know how that goes. I mean, high school football is king. So uh, continue doing a, a fantastic job, man. You guys are killing it over there. Uh, we definitely appreciate you, and, and we'll be talking really, really soon, man. Have a great time. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you again for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Joe Rigo. Fantastic job right there. Franchise Sports Media as well. The outlet, you can find him on Twitter, at Joe Arrigo FSM. Uh, does a great job covering everything. You heard him right there. Talking Raiders, talking VGK, talking high school sports, talking combat sports, boxing, UFC, everything going on. Uh, that's the way to have it covered, man, like a glove, all over the Las Vegas area and then some. I like it a lot. 521 is the time. We have Carolina T coming up at 530. we got to figure out how we're going to do this because – I've been noticing, and I was going to stay away from this conversation because it's been a very positive day and I want to stay positive, but this Damon Arnett situation on Twitter or on whatever he put it out on Instagram, whatever this is on, this video that I'm watching of Damon Arnett is very bothersome. It really is bothering the hell out of me, and I wish somebody would sit down with Damon Arnett and say, hey, dude, what are you doing? Matter of fact, let's just stick here right now. I don't understand... With everything going on with the silver and black, and I know everyone's not on social media, and first of all, salute to you if you're not on social media. If I didn't do this job, I probably wouldn't be on social media either because then I wouldn't have to come across stuff like this. And I've had this DM to me a couple times. I don't really know the source of this, so let me just go ahead and preface it with that. I don't know where this came from, and, and Damon, feel free to chime in because I know you've seen the video as well. But what I'm seeing, and it looks like I don't have, I don't have Instagram, but it looks like maybe this is Damon Arnett on Instagram, the net way. And he sent this video to somebody. And as I'm pressing play and watching, he's walking around with no shirt on. And he's got multiple guns in his, ha in his hand, including this gun that I don't even know what kind of gun that is. That looks like something you'd see in a Batman movie. I mean, seriously. Like, that looks like, and I know you're not seeing it as you're talking, as I'm talking on the radio, but... I'm trying to look. Okay, I paused it. I don't know what kind of, What's up? Jason, what's up, Jason? Come here, man. Let me ask you this, man. What's up, Doc? What kind of gun is that that Damon Arnett apparently has in his hand right there? What um, is that? What would you think that that is? That looks like something from Batman. This is just an extra round drum. So if he's doing that, this is probably a, a Mac 10 or something. Okay, he has a Mac 10. It's going to be something in the similar of a small hand uh, submachine gun. That's what that is. That's okay. That looks like something you'd find on Mortal Kombat, or not Mortal Kombat. He's got, a, he's got an extended hand here, handle here. Uh-huh. Freaking, we're on the radio. He's got the light here, he's got a laser above it, and yeah. he's got a sight on it, too. Okay, so he's got a lot of accessories on this thing. I mean, this thing looks like it might even have a, oh, uh, that's not a silencer. Yeah, that's, this is, this is, this is ridiculous. Let me just put it like this. This gun, it looks like it's on, um... What's that movie called? Or what's that video game where they go and shoot up everything? Which one? Call of Duty. Yeah, this looks like a Call of Duty gun. And he's walking around. It's only a 13-second video. And I know I just took about three minutes to talk about it, but it's ridiculous. And then he's got another little small gun, but he's talking about basically he's threatening somebody. And I don't know who it is. 
But what? A, first of all, this guy is already kind of in a weird. I'll play the video back for you. There you go. He's in, he's in a weird place as far as his status, even with the team. He's on IR. He hasn't been very good. He looks like a bust right now. He's walking around, talking trash with a gun. Everything is surrounding the Raiders right now. I mean, somebody sit this young man down and tell him what, what he's doing with his career and his life and that it's a bad decision. Right. Just, I mean, come on. And then we'll take a break and get to Carolina Teague. What are your thoughts on that, uh, on that video you just saw? Well, my thoughts on the video, I'm, um, it's, I'm glad that you had Johnny on the spot there to actually break down the uh, specs on that gun. Yeah, hopefully but, you were able to hit the dump button in time. <laughs> I did, I did. Okay, good job. But for me, I don't think, I think that this is poorly timed for him. Yes. I, because I do believe that earlier today we see that someone is suing him. This The lawsuit yeah. was already filed for an accident that happened last year. And I do think that someone had their hands on this video long before this week. Right. But, hey, he's getting sued. And now after the tragic events of earlier this week, it's one of those things where the, the bad hits just keep coming for him. Yeah, it is. Where, and, like an accident that we didn't know about last year until today. Right. I, I, don't, I do not think, like, so um, what transpired this week, I do not think he sent this video to someone last night. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. But timing, you're right, is, is terrible. And I'm and not saying that this is acceptable of what, what he's doing whatsoever, but I do think that th this is just – I'm not saying that anyone is out to get him. I am not – the media is out to get Damon Arnett. That's not what I'm saying. No, no, no. But I know. it is just like one of those like man-boy things are coming and they just the bad things just keep rolling. Well, and the thing about it is – and I always say this, and I tell people this all the time. There's a difference between me doing something stupid and someone like that doing something stupid. I can't do something stupid just because, well, I'm a grown man and I, I should know better. But I don't I'm, – I mean, if – okay, Q sent a video to someone threatening them. Okay, fine. People will get over that. But this is a superstar – well, I take that back. He's a professional football player who wants to be a superstar, who has a lot more money, and you just can't put yourself in this position. And so you have the incident that happened this week with Henry Ruggs, the terrible, tragic – you know, we know what happened. Awful. That happened. Like you said, this accident that Damon Arnett got into was last year. Nobody cared about this accident two days ago. Now, with everything going on, that pops up. And then nobody cared about this video with Damon Arnett, and now all of a sudden this pops up. I mean, it just the hits keep coming, like you said, and it's, you, but you can't put yourself in that position. You can't – even if you're, talking, if you're talking smack with somebody on Twitter or on Instagram going back and forth, if you're that professional player, you can't – film a video walking around your house with a bunch of guns and send it to them because at some point they're going to roll that back on you. You know what I mean? Like, you just got to be smarter than that. You just can't do that. You've got to be smarter than that. And there was a report that came out, and we got a, a tweet from Sunny Days. I appreciate you, Sunny. It said hashtag, or not hashtag, but in air quotes, high character guys. There was a tweet that came out in an in a article that came out last year or maybe it was before this, this uh, training camp. Maybe it was before I got to Vegas. I think it was earlier this year that said that Damon Arnett had been kind of an afterthought. The team wasn't really thinking of him, and he has a lot of off-the-field issues going on in Vegas, and everyone's like, oh, he doesn't have any off-the-field issues. Well, now we find out about an accident that happened last year, so this could be one of the off-the-field issues if you read the report on it. Not that we knew about it. That's fine. You read the report on it. You know, he at some point left the accident went to the facility because he was already late, which is an issue in itself. You can't be late to these kind of things. And now you're seeing this. So 
now maybe those off-the-field issues that we didn't think were really existing, maybe now you're starting to see them. But, again, man, I hate to judge people. Yes, because I'll be honest, because I don't know people, basically from reading what I read in the RJ, the accident sounds like he thought he missed a turn, so basically he's trying to make a right turn. He hit someone. He's already late. Like, so just imagine, imagine if this isn't an NFL player. He's late to work, but he's already across the street from work. So he's like, hey, are you okay? You okay? All right. My friend's going to take care of this. I got to get to work. Right. That's what he did. I mean, that's what, that's what we think he's, he did. We yeah, don't know. And, we and, weren't there. We weren't there, so we, we can't there, say But that, from reading that, the report, that's right. what it sounds like happened. Right. And then the proper authorities, they went. I was like, oh, he works right over here in the Raiders facility? Right. Hey, can we speak to Damon Arnett? And they spoke to Damon Arnett, and it was handled. Right. Well. But, I mean, just for that. I don't know how much it was handled because she's suing him for $92,000. Not that that matters, but. No, but, I mean, in the court process, it was, yes, it was handled. Right. You, like, I hate this. I'm not trying to be crass. This person could be hurt. But you can sue for anything. No, no like, you're it right. It was handled in court. He paid his fines. He, 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 he handled like that with the judicial system. Two misdemeanors. He handled that. He paid his fine. Right. And now this person's like, you know what? My neck is still kind of hurting. Right. Well, and, and I hate to say it, but that's kind of the position he put himself in. Yes. But it's just, it's, I don't think that there's a correlation between an accident that we did not know about last year and this video that, we are now seeing, that we're seeing now. If what happened this week with Henry Ruggs didn't happen, we, weren't, we're not, we don't know about this. I don't think. Or even or yeah, if it does not happen, if it's like, hey, Damon Arnett's getting sued for an accident, like, ah, it's a break. I don't even think we'd hear about it, honestly. I just think that. Now is, and I hate to say it because it sounds so ugly, but it's it's like strike while the iron's hot moment. But the lawsuit was filed um, before the accident, so this so to this to this person that he had the car accident with, this is not someone trying to um, profit off of a tragic event. Okay, well, again, we just happened to find out about it today, and so the the timing for me is a little funny. But you're right. I mean, there's there's you know there's there's processes that everything goes through, and of course. They're going to handle that as they handle it. I just, again, my bottom line is whatever is happened, happens, whatever they end up doing and they end up doing, but I wish someone would sit this young dude down and say, hey, wake up before you throw your career away. Because I'm sorry to say I feel like you're really close. Like I wish I could tell him. I know he's not going to listen to me. He's going to say, shut up, old man. Get off my lawn. And that's fine. But I just wish someone would say, hey, dude, you're really close to throwing your career away. Don't do it. Don't give them a reason to say, yeah, you're a distraction. You're not worth – there's a song, and I'll, and I'll take a break after this. Jay Valentine said it. He's the homeboy from the Bay. He's, he had a song called She's Worth the Trouble. And the, the preface of the song was she was a headache, a pain in the ass. Let's put it like that. But she was worth it. If you're going to be a pain in the ass, you better be worth it. Damon Arnett has not proven that being a pain in the ass, he's worth it. You've got to be worth the trouble if you're going to cause a little bit of dust-up and issues. Or not, they will move on from you and find someone else that, well, maybe they're worth the trouble or maybe they're not even a trouble at all and they're really good. They will move on from you. The NFL stands for not for long. You will be here one day and you'll be gone the next day. Your average career in the NFL is what? A couple years? handful of years? It's not long. 531 is the time. When we come back, Carolina Teague from the Sports Dime in San Antonio. She'll join us next to talk Canelo, talk plant, big fight going down tomorrow night here in Las Vegas. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. All right, Carolina, I see on your on your Twitter bio it says pro wrestling ring announcer. Hey, can I get a you're listening to unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio in your ring announcer voice? Wait, it's got to be Raider Nation Radio 920. Oh, oh Raider Nation Radio 920, excuse me. <laughs> 
You are listening to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom. There it is. Good one, Zaman. That was the best thing he contributed all day. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. And here we are, 534 is the time, here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook, hanging out for about 25 more minutes at least. We've been here since 2 o'clock, been doing a really uh, fun show, had a lot of folks step by and and hang out and and, uh, chop it up with us. And my guy Jason just showed up, Demi's here, we're hanging out, Raider Nation's representing. My guy Calvin was just here, and as a matter of fact, our next guest, Carolina Teague from the Sports Dime in San Antonio. She does a fantastic job. You can follow her on Twitter at Carolina Teague. And you know Calvin. Matter of fact, Calvin does radio in Texas. You know Calvin, don't you, Carolina? Calvin Casey? Uh, now you're going to get me lying to you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> How y'all doing? Good, good. How are you doing? We, we definitely appreciate you. We're excited to talk the fight game. But how's everything been going in San Antonio? How's, uh, how's your Spurs been treating you? Oh my gosh! You know they're taking me for a ride, run of the ride right now. They are two. Are they? I think they're two and four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, two and four, and they're just not doing too good at all. Uh, well, not really doing too good. One of the things that I pointed out uh, for the Spurs is that even though this is a bad record, clearly the Spurs' youth looks like they're trending upward. It doesn't look like they're stagnant. Their losses are by small margins. And these are learning curves that they're just getting through. They're in a rebuild phase, so I'm not going to be making dramatic, you know, proclamations that they're a trash team or they're terrible. It is just very evident at this point that they're currently in a rebuild phase. All right. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand. And it's weird seeing a Greg Popovich-led team in a rebuild stage. But as you said, uh, that's what they're in right now. My man, Damon, back in the home studio has got a question for you. Go ahead, Damon. All right. UTSA 8-0, and you said you were going to get the meat meat tattoo, and you did get it. Has the tattoo healed up yet? It has healed up. It was super painful, so I I put I shouldn't have put my money where my, my mouth was. I was having a really good time at the tailgate. I don't know if I can say what I was doing, but I was having the time of my life, and I felt like making a public proclamation that they would be, if they go 8-0, I'm getting a tat. And uh, it ended up going pretty viral. It was all over the news, and everybody started hopping on the bandwagon. And uh, they were 6-0 at the time, and they, that was a record season at the moment. And they brought it to 8-0. They're defeating all records, and I had no choice. I never planned in my life to get a tattoo, but now I have meat meat on my foot because the, the UTSA went 8-0. Well, and I bet you now that you have one that won't be your last one. You know what? I was thinking about that, too, because I was like, oh, my gosh. And then, like, my, my best friend was telling me, she was like, if you keep partying and keep having a good time, next thing you know, you're going to have every single team, every <laughs> team, added on you. Right. So you don't stop it. Just shut up and stop tweeting. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you this before we get into Canelo and Plant that I, I really want you to uh, deep dive into. I'm assuming you were at UTSA and UNLV. You were at that game. What did you think of uh, the, the Rebels' performance? You know what? Was it the one where it was a blowout? Was that the one? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds, right. <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was tailgating that day, so I really didn't catch all the highlights. All I know is that it was probably a blowout. I think it was like a zero, or they barely put any points on the board. But I really didn't pay attention to UNLV's performance. I'm on the UTSA bandwagon. I really like the triangle of toughness. 
Zachary Franklin, Frank Harris, and Sincere McCormick. So I was more focused on how they were going to do because I was hoping that maybe possibly UNLV would have potentially won, so that way I didn't have to get inked up. But lo and behold, y'all didn't hold up to that. So you know, <laughs> here I am with a tattoo because UNLV can't do what they're supposed to be doing. There you go, Demond. She's well, talking to you, man. Now that hurts even more. We letting everybody down. We we letting our fans down. We letting people who yeah. got bets down. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. We're talking right now with Carolina Teague from the Sports Dime. You can find her on Twitter at Carolina Teague underscore here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. And I did want to get into Canelo and Plant, and this is a fight that uh, we thought was going to happen a while back, but it didn't because of, well, there were some issues going on. But uh, now, in a fight that has a lot of uh, bad blood in it, what are your thoughts on Canelo? What are your thoughts on Plant? Let's start with Plant. He's a guy who uh, makes his home here in Las Vegas. What are your thoughts on him as he enters this fight on Saturday night? Well, I think he has a really uh, uphill battle to climb. It's a, it's a pretty big mountain for him, only because he's less experienced than Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez is clearly, you know, way more experienced than uh, than Plant. And right now, Canelo is favored to be the uh, favorite in Vegas. I think it's negative nine hundred right now. So there's a ninety percent chance that he's predicted to win. But in order for Caleb Plant to pull off this win, there is a possibility, and there's the possibility is a lot of the trainers that you watch in boxing. They're saying that the first five or six rounds are going to be crucial. And these are the best potential rounds that he has for himself. In order for him to be able to pull off this win, he has to be on the move. He has to be explosive. Um, he's more of a pure boxer than he is more of a puncher. So he needs to move quickly, get out of trouble. He's very smart. He's very aggressive. So I think there's potential for him on that aspect. And then also um, he could take, you know, potentially could t- take Canelo down if he's able to trick him. Uh, but it seems like the odds are not in his favor at the moment. And that's basically because he seems pretty one-dimensional when it comes to that. Everybody knows Plant as somebody who takes, um, who is moving around too quickly and he has a lot of speed. But Canelo Alvarez has already uh, uh, fought many fighters that have that same similar style. And he just said in the press conference that he's familiar with that style. He's fought boxing like that before. So he's able to train accordingly in order to, you know, you know, make it make him confident enough for this fight. Yeah, you know, and you, you, you said something that, that really stood up to me or stood out to me and it made me stand up is the fact that you said in the fi- first five or six rounds he has an opportunity. Is that because Canelo, from, and from what I've seen, and I've only seen a few of his fights, I haven't seen a whole bunch of them, but I've seen enough to know that he's a damn good fighter. Is it because he really gets cooking a little bit later on, so he may give an opportunity to, to, to catch some uh, early early leather in, in some of the early rounds? I think it's more so the early round simply because of the fact that, yeah, he's kind of like not a late starter, I would say, right. but I think he has a way to, to the way that he moves his body, he's able to slow down and be able to figure out how Plant is moving throughout the first few rounds, and he's very skilled in that aspect to figure out what is Plant's method? How is he going to move forward? And that gives Plant kind of an edge in the early rounds to kind of get more aggressive, hit with more range, move his body, and do more quick combinations during those rounds. And I think at that point, that's when Canelo mentally figures out, this is his plan, this is where we're going with this, and that is why it's more of an advantage early on. That makes sense. That makes a whole lot of sense. Again, we're talking right now with Carolina Teague from the Sports Dime. Uh, she does radio in San Antonio at Carolina Teague underscore on Twitter. And uh, as far as the bad blood in this fight, I love that, that there is a, a bunch of bad blood. How much do you think that's going to intensify what we see Saturday night? I don't think it's going to intensify it at all. And the reason why I say that is because both fighters came out 
after that incident and they said, hey, look, that was just a moment at the time. We both know, they both agreed. We both know that when we get into the ring on Saturday night, everything that's happened has zero to do with our skills, what we've been training for, and what's happening inside of the ring. They can mentally separate their emotions that happen at the press conference, all the bad blood that's between them, all the trash talk, and they're able to mentally separate themselves and focus completely on their skill and what they're putting in that ring for that night. So I don't think it's going to make much of a difference, um, but I do think uh, they're both, they've both made it very clear they can check their emotions. I like it. I like it. Good stuff right there. Uh, as far as Canelo goes, and he's, again, like I mentioned before, a damn good fighter. Uh, it's always one of those that you want to tune into. Uh, just what is it about him? How do you think he approaches this fight, and, and how do you think he attacks uh, Plant on Saturday? So I think with this situation, I think he's going to be able to do it all. Um, in, in this situation, I think he's going to have to switch a lot of gears. Um, he he can corner you if he needs to corner you. He can bait you if he needs to bait you. He can uh, repel you if he needs to as well. He can also chase you down. So I think when you're looking up Canelo Alvarez' game plan for this Saturday, he's going to be focused on backing up Caleb Plant. He's going to be working more so with the body moves because Caleb Plant, like I said, he moves a lot and he moves with a lot of speed. So he's not necessarily going to get to get more punches to the head because he's moving around so quickly, but he is going to be more focused on the body shots that night and then at that point it's going to be more heavier shots in the late round all right there it is right there so as far as your predictions goes how do you think this uh this fight shakes out um i think i'm going to go for uh, canelo alvarez uh canelo alvarez is just a more skilled fighter um he's the unanimous favorite i mean there's underdog situations where plant could possibly win and it could be a bad scorecard or it could be um you know he gets canelo you know we're you know, shockingly, and it'll shock the, the world, actually. Right, right. But I think Canelo more so has the advantage in my eyes because he's more skilled. He's able to make those adjustments. He's more dimensional as far as what he can do against Caleb Plant. He's already fought fighters who are similar to him before that are very great fighters. And he's also going to be in an exclusive club where he is the undisputed world champion which is different from a unified world champion so i think he's going to become that sixth undisputed world champion ever since you know their uh the sectionary bodies increased to four there you go i like it good stuff and, and before i let you go i'm actually surprised that you're not in las vegas as much fun as you had last time a big fight like this i'm surprised you're not here hanging out I wanted to be there so bad. You know, I think about every single fight, and I'm like, man, I really wish I lived out there so I could go enjoy every single fight. It would be a dream come true for me. But the way my budget is set up, you know, I had <laughs> went to a lot of – I went to the Barrios fight in Atlanta. Then I went to the fight in Vegas, which was the time of my life. Um, I ended up staying. I think, I think that's what did it. I was supposed to only stay for the fight and come home, but then I extended my stay for several more days, and that just blew into my budget. I was like, I can't afford to go to Vegas again, go to the Canelo fight, expect to stay for one day because Vegas is going to trap me, and I'm going to end up staying there for four or five more nights, and then there goes my Christmas budget. You know, I like to buy people good gifts on Christmas. There's no way I'm going to be able to do that if Vegas traps me. So I couldn't go to the Canelo fight. That is so funny. You said several more days. You didn't say one more day. You said several <laughs> more days. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. I mean, I was having a blast up there. It was like the time of my life. 
Oh, I remember. I remember. You were well documented on Twitter, and you was like, I mean, I've been everywhere since I've been here, but you were everywhere. You were all over town. So that is hilarious. Well, great stuff. What do you got coming out on uh, the Sports Dime? What are you guys going to be doing on, uh, on Sunday morning on the radio that folks should be checking out? Well, you know, I think we're going to, you know, if UTSA goes 9-0, I'm going to be dropping a freestyle, so I'm not a rapper. What? I'm going to be dropping, yeah, I'm going to be dropping my first freestyle. Uh, not that Sunday, but Monday, we're going to be dropping a freestyle uh, for UTSA. So I already have my beat picked out. Uh, I got to line up a couple rappers from the city. We're going to be uh, putting some bars together, and we're going to be in the studio. We're going to be in the lab cooking up a freestyle for UTSA. So right now we're just focusing on UTSA right now. They're having a great season. That's kind of what we're doing over here. Okay, so you know I got to ask you because you said that I have to ask you. There, can you drop us a couple bars real quick? No, uh-uh, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you know right now. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not a rapper. I'm not a rapper. I'm not trying to be a rapper. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been, you know, I'm kind of nervous. Honestly, my confidence is shot because I already tried to spit a freestyle earlier to one of my homies in the industry. He told me my bars are trash. So I'm not trying <laughs> to show you my freestyle right now over the phone because you're going to tell me my bars are trash and to give up my rapping career before it even starts. I mean, we're only on the radio. What's the worst that could happen, you know? Yeah. Just everyone yeah, hear you. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to be like, San Antonio rappers suck. And that's what they're going to say. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, when you when you drop those bars, if you actually get around to dropping those bars, I've got to be able to hear something. And and yeah, so we'll 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 catch back up again at a later time. Uh, I got to hear this. This is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. And who knows? It might be great. Well, Carolina, we definitely appreciate you. Uh, it's always fun catching up with you. Enjoy the fight tomorrow night. I know you will. And like I said, we'll be catching up soon. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for inviting me on, you guys. Take care out there. All right, there she goes, Carolina Teague. I thought we were going to get her to drop a couple bars. Damon, you got any freestyle flow in you? Maybe we can find out after the break. <laughs> That's Damon's nice way of saying go to break. 5.48 is the time. We'll do just that. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll close out the show. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. And here we are. Just got a couple minutes left in today's show. This is one of my dream shows. Four hours long, four hours strong. They asked me when I said I'll do the four hours. They said, I don't know, can you do it? Is it going to be okay? Are you going to be tired? I said, yes, yes, and no. <laughs> I can do it. I'll be fine. And no, I will not be tired. Right up my alley. The reason why I'm not tired is not because of me. A little bit because I, you know, I love this stuff. But our fantastic guest that we had on today's show, and we had some great guests on today's show, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. He joined us early in the show. Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. He joined us in the show. Brian Salmon from News 3 of Las Vegas. He joined us. Joel Rigo, Franchise Sports Media, he joined the show. Carolina Teague, she joined the show from Sports, Sports Dime in San Antonio. Just a great, great lineup, great amount of guests on the show. I hope I didn't forget anybody. So I'm trying to do that off the top of my dome. Damon, did I forget anybody? I don't think so. And then, of course, no, I got everybody. And then... Most importantly, Raider Nation. Everyone who showed up here at Treasure Island, 
including Jason and Demi, who are here right now. My dad, who's here, he's hung out for a while. His buddy's here. Had a lot of good people come by and say what's up. Just had one guy, and I, I forgot to catch his name. I just had one guy that was just here and was like, man, I listen to you guys all the time. It's great to see you guys out in person. And all the calls and all the texts and all the tweets that we received today. Again, I tell you all the time, and I don't want you to ever think I'm taking this for granted. You make the show. Raider Nation, you make the show. All the fantastic feedback, regardless if you agree with me or not. If you agree with Damon or not, most time not. But if you do, it's okay. Just kidding, Damon. We always appreciate it as the young man is walking across here with a Canelo headband on his head right now. You can see he's fired up. We appreciate you. We make this radio station for you, and we do appreciate all of the support, all of everyone chiming in. Even if you don't chime in, just when you listen, however long you listen for for whenever, however many times a week you listen, we appreciate that. So thank you very much for that. Remember, you can hear the game on Sunday, 10 a.m., right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Of course, JT the Brick and Eric Allen have the pregame show live from the M Resort at 8. Don't miss out on that. Should be a lot of fun. Raiders, Giants, week 9. We'll be back on Monday to talk about it. Hopefully we'll be talking about a victory and the Raiders improving to 6-2. and two. We'll be back. 2 o'clock on the dot for Unnecessary Roughness. For my guy, Damon Cotton, I'm your boy Q. Appreciate everyone. Have a great weekend. Good night.